1: Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today on China Corner Office, a podcast powered by SupChina, the New York-based news and information platform that helps the West read China between the lines. I'm Chris Marquis, a professor at Cornell's Business School, and today's episode features a discussion with Eduardo Lacerda, who is vice president of marketing for Danone Waters China, a Guangzhou-based subsidiary of the Paris-based food and nutrition multinational, the known S A the company is responsible for a diverse set of offerings from a well-known health drink targeted to Chinese youth called Mizone, to the globally recognized water brand Evian. Our conversation covered two important topics for companies that want to do business in China. One is how MNCs in China can think about local adaptation. Traditionally, many companies have thought that what's good for one market, would also be good for every market and simply export their Western models and products. For example, the Coca-Cola company sells Coke everywhere. But with Mazon, which is one of the most popular beverages in China, Danone has worked to meet local taste, which also means special regional variations such as a formulation to complement hot pot offered in Chongqing. We also discuss having expats versus locals in subsidiary management. Mr. Lacerda, a Brazilian by birth, is one of only three non-Chinese among Danone China staff of approximately 6,000. On the flip side, however, we also discuss how Danone's global mission influences the company. Danone is well known for its longstanding double mission commitment to promoting a healthy world, as well as achieving business success. And this shows up in a myriad of ways, including the formulation of its products. Mazone, for instance, has a low sugar profile and numerous nutritional benefits. And the company has also undertaken a series of impressive environmental commitments, including eliminating water waste and also focusing on zero waste to landfill in some of its factories. The overall company has also made a commitment to reducing total carbon emissions by 42% by 2025. We also discuss the challenges of recyclability of plastic bottles and how Danone is working on more circular systems for its plastics. And finally, the company has also achieved B Corp status recently, a rigorous international certification based on environmental and social performance. In so doing, Danone Waters China has joined only about 30 other mainland Chinese companies to achieve such recognition. I think this company is a great example of how to balance global and international expertise with a commitment to localization of products. So thanks so much and enjoy the show. Eduardo, welcome to China Corner Office. Hi, Chris. Happy to be here. Great. Well, you know, I'd love to start with just a little bit of background. Could you just please introduce a bit the Dan and Waters China Company, you know, what brands you have and the size and scope of your organization in China?
0: Yes, of course, with pleasure. So uh, Dan Waters China is, is part of uh, Dan on China, so the greater scope company. Where we're acting in uh, IMF, so infant uh, milk and and nutrient formulas for children, also specialized nutrition and beverages. So in the beverage division, we operate. We've been operating in China for over 13 years with the MyZone brand. We are currently the number six in in market in beverage market, present in 70 percent of stores in China and and really on a national scope. A very iconic brand actually. Uh, so operating. It's a, let's say, local China brand. It was born in China and developed in China. So very unique, very sp- special business that we're happy to to do for over 13 years.
1: Yeah, really interesting. Could you say a little bit more maybe about how that MyZone brand was developed and then the marketing? You know, one of the challenges that MNCs have frequently when they enter a market like China or other markets is, you know, they try to bring their home country products and that frequently is a failure, whereas you know, Danone Waters has developed this unique uh, local product and developed it locally.
0: Absolutely. So uh, yes, I think the story of MyZone is is a good story of localization and and actually, let's say, crafting a product and a brand to the reality of a country. So since uh, MyZone was launched in China in two thousand and three, um, at a time when the beverage category here was actually quite. Uh, Let's say more simple than it is nowadays. So you, we we used to have basically uh, Asian traditional drinks, some CSd or or you know uh, carbonated soft drinks, uh, also some bottled uh, ready to drink tea. But in the end, not a lot of variety and not a lot of uh, offers for consumers. My zone enters this market with a very clear proposition actually. So the brand brought to the market and to to especially young consumers in urban areas of let's say more pleasurable and dynamic way of hydrating day to day so my zone is a, basically our core product is a 600 ml bottle a uh, very bulky and and in terms of sensorial experience very fresh and very hydrating product rich in vitamins with low sugar so really, let's say, uniquely able to accompany the young Chinese consumers since 2003 in a very dynamic, active lifestyle where people were more and more pursuing their careers. And, and you know, if you've been in China and, and accompanied a bit the, the life of a young urban Chinese, uh, life is really dynamic and really, you know, fast-paced with a lot of change and a lot of excitement for change. So, for my zone... Uh, Let's say we cater this, this we, we customize this product and, and cater to this specific uh, consumer uh, over these 13 years, actually, uh, by investing very significantly in the brand and in the portfolio expansion and also distribution, I, I can say we are proud to have built a very iconic brand which today when you look at beverage brands in China we are among the foremost uh, recognized and top of mind beverages in the country so is really really uh, a, a nice uh, uh, exciting journey the brand has taken and um, and and very much due to its its capacity to adapt to to local consumer reality
1: yeah interesting i mean some of the features you mentioned about it you know the the vitamins the low sugar you know, are things that I would normally equate with Danone Global, you know, well-known for its, you know, sort of health and nutrition focus, uh, Can you, in, but not typically what I would think of for the Chinese consumer. Can you say a little bit about how maybe you were able to integrate those healthful features into the market and help to introduce them to, uh, to those Chinese consumers?
0: Absolutely. So um, I think for Danone, so uh, to give also the people listening to us a little bit more understanding of Danone. So Danone is a company uh, whose mission is to bring health uh, through nutrition and drinking also to as many people as possible, right? So um, in Danone, when you look at our, let's say, beverage and water philosophy, the first important value for us is that we believe water is the healthiest way to drink and to hydrate. So there's no healthier way to do it than water. And that's why if you look at our portfolio globally, we've been uh, uh, very strong and promoting very strongly hydration through water with different global brands, local brands of mineral, natural mineral waters uh, in different countries. Now, our reality in China... Um, a bit different, right? Because let's say beyond the healthiest way of drinking, we know that for many consumers, they are still looking for pleasure, for taste, and it's not always easy, let's say, to drink water 100% of the time. So uh, bearing that in mind, um, we developed in Danone Beverage, a portfolio of healthier drinks, especially comparing to uh, beverages like carbonated soft drinks or, you know, sugary teas, etc. We've, we've globally made an effort to develop uh, products which are, let's say, closer to water in the sense that they are low sugar, they're bringing fresh tastes and, and, and no preservatives to really enable people to make, let's say, healthier choices. If they don't choose water, they can choose healthier drinks uh, to, to insert in their in their daily life uh i think for china it was the same philosophy let's say we planned and developed this portfolio to really be able to offer the best balance between hydration and and health uh with excitement so it's still a healthy excitement uh that was the philosophy let's say as danon we applied to to the development of my zone here
1: yeah really interesting combination both of sort of the strengths and identity of the Danone Global Company, as well as sort of the local uh, environment as well. How about waters in China? I mean, I know globally, you know, Evian is a well-known Danone brand. Like, what are you doing on the
0: waterfront? Yes. So uh, we have actually a water portfolio in China. So currently, we operate with Evian. We also have our sparkling water, uh, Badua, operating in China of course, these brands, they, they still tend to be more concentrated in more urban centers, in more what we call in China CBD, right? Which are the central business districts, areas where mm-hmm. you also have more presence of international travelers and, and where consumers actually tend to have, let's say, more awareness and knowledge of our, uh, imported brands. So we do have, uh, operations of these, these brands. Uh, in the past, we were also having, um, a water business in China with uh, with Robust, which is a company um, that is uh, concentrated in the South. Over time, uh, let's say, due to our portfolio strategy and some, let's say, uh, context of different competitors in China, we decided to focus our portfolio mostly on the imported waters and to continue to promote MyZone as, as really a mainstream, uh, a large presence uh, brand to promote healthier drinking.
1: Interesting. You mentioned a a couple of the things you just mentioned, you know, really speak a little bit to some of the either regional differences or urban versus rural divide with, you know, um, you mentioned, I think Robust was, um, you know, more in the, in the, I think the, maybe the North and the East and, and some of the, you know, like the Evian products more in, you know, large city CBDs Mm -hmm. for my zone or maybe your other products. I'm, I'm curious what sort of regional differences you see particularly in the marketing are you sort of positioning and marketing all these products the same across china or are there some regional differences
0: oh actually the regional element is a very uh essential element in china uh, as you know and 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 probably some of our listeners also know china is actually a continent especially mm-hmm. if we compare to europe or to some areas of uh, of of america as well so we're speaking of a country of continental dimension with a lot of uh, cultural diversity and, and specific tastes uh, on different regions. So even though MyZone is a national brand, so you you can basically find MyZone in most of the provinces and territory of China and most of the channels, we do take a very special care to cater and to appeal to the local taste of consumers. And this is influencing from the way we develop our flavor. So, depending on the regions of China where you will go. Of course, you will usually have uh, two, three, four of our main products being offered uh, nationwide. But you will always find, depending on the region where you are, or even the season of the year, you will find specific uh, flavors and tastes which are adapted to the local reality. That's one. Um, I would say another important uh, factor that we've been paying attention to and that we try also to to more and more communicate, we, are, we, we try to communicate uh, our brand and our product activation also adapted to local uh, taste. So more, very recently this year, for instance, we created specific communication campaigns to, let's say, appeal to consumers in Chengdu or Chongqing, which are very key cities of the west of China, We've also done some interesting activations, for instance, in Shenzhen or Guangzhou here in the south of China where I'm speaking from. So we do take uh, special care, let's say, to, to make the brand more relevant to consumer taste, but also to consumer, let's say, repertoire by, uh, by adapting and, 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 let's say, uh, speaking to them in a more locally relevant way than just uh, one country, one one brand. So uh, um, I think we've been doing well there. It, we're still far from, let's say, the success picture. We're still pursuing improvement on this regionalization, but uh, it's something that we do uh, take a lot uh, into account. Beyond that, Chris, I would say, of course, also China has different uh, climate, right? So if you go to the north of China or, or to the south of China, we have different seasonalities. So the average temperatures in the north, usually you, you have Probably six to seven months, where beverage uh, is is very hot. Let's say in in uh, in the north of China, but then when winter comes, you we need to deal with a strong seasonality. Whilst in the south, for instance, or the west, we have a more smooth business operation. So all these elements of the rich regional diversity of China are taken into account and and are part of a company's success in the country.
1: Yeah, definitely makes a lot of sense. Interesting to hear you know, about how you're really thinking very strategically about the, you know, the the localization. Do you have any examples? I mean, you mentioned Chengdu and Chongqing, um, you know, what some of the product-specific attributes for those markets or maybe some other markets like, I don't know, sort of Shanghai or maybe northern China or southern China, sort of any specific examples for our listeners?
0: Yeah, of course. So uh, we can talk about a bit the west of China. So the west of China, uh, Chongqing, Chengdu, but also uh, Sichuan province, for example, they are known, first of all, uh, which is something not everybody knows, but Chinese people, they have a, a very, very rich and impressive uh, food culture. So the variety, and me as a Brazilian, and I come from Brazil originally, uh, it was a discovery for me because the Chinese food that I knew abroad was not very... Uh, uh, varied and rich, as I discovered uh, traveling across China in, in different occasions. So the west of China is actually, let's say, a very foody region, and especially where the taste for spicy foods, for instance, like hot pots and, and very spicy, but at the same time, very aromatic and tasty recipes where they have been developed for for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So Chinese people usually they travel to the West and they know the West for that foodie culture, um, and it's really a pleasurable experience. Huh? If you go to a city like Chongqing, which is very beautiful in terms of geography and 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 mountains combined with rivers and trees, you will find very usually you will find throughout the city these very unique uh, street food places where you can have some very good spicy chongqing noodles and and have these hot pots where people gather and have a lot of fun through taste let's say so taking into account this this uh, food culture in the west we have been already i i would say for 3 or 4 years we've developed like specific tastes for my zone specific flavors which uplift the refreshment of our product and really offer, you know, kind of a, a refresh plus to when people are really uh, eating very spicy food. That's one, one uh, point we've been developing in product, which makes a lot of difference. So, uh, you know, two years ago we had we had a flavor which was lime and cactus. That was this very interesting balance between refreshment and sweetness. More recently now, in the summer, we brought a watermelon, a fresh watermelon recipe specifically for that region because we know that consumers there tend to favor, let's say, this constant balance between spicy and fresh. Um, And also, but of course, this impacts product, but it also impacts our channel strategy. So, for instance, in in the uh, West, we have a more specialized, let's say, on-premise team where we are more and more developing brand presence and activation of our portfolio in restaurants, in street food, special distribution, let's say initiatives to get us as granular as possible to to reach these multiple, let's say, because there are actually thousands of uh, uh, street food uh, locations in these cities. So we really uh, adapt not only product, but channel strategy to be able to to reach people in the right way according to their cultural um, habits.
1: Really interesting. And I you know, thank you for those those examples. I must admit, you know, I mean I am re- re- really missing China. It's, with COVID. It's been a while since I'm there. I've been there. Most of my time there I spend actually in Chengdu um and eating a lot of hot pots. So next time I'll have to be on the lookout for some of the watermelon myso and that sounds like a very nice accompaniment.
0: Yes. Um it is indeed.
1: So next I'd like to actually talk a little bit more about uh Danone and its actual sort of mission and focus on social and environmental factors. Mm-hmm. So we talked some about, you know, diet, health, nutrition. Uh, and I know environment is another very big pillar for, for the company. And, I, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit about like things that you, as, you know, Danone and China are doing, you know, you know, plastics issues with your bottles in your plants, how you're working to maybe reduce water, or other sort of environmental sustainability
0: actions. Absolutely. Uh, Sure. So, uh, yes, uh, as you know, I think it's known for most people who know Danone that it's part of our DNA and part of our fundamental values uh, to have a positive impact beyond, let's say, the economics of the company, but to really, uh, since the 1970s, uh, with, uh, with Antoine Riboud, this vision that the responsibility of our company goes beyond the gates and and the stores where we operate. So this is something we take really, really seriously. Um, I would say something important for people listening to us uh, and also to me as an expat arriving in China two years ago. Um, It's quite important to say that, uh, of course, the environmental evolution and sustainability has been in the core of Danone's agenda, but recently also China has been really accelerating in this direction. Huh? And and if we see the last two, three years, how the vision of beautiful China, the policy of the central government to really make a transition to a more sustainable uh, manufacturing system, transport system, it's really admirable how the speed uh, has, has, let's say, uh, taken uh, momentum here. And, and we're happy being Danone and being in this country in this time because it really uh, matches our agenda and our values. So um, in my zone, uh, so in the last 13 years, Chris, we've been uh, quite for a long time, let's say, implementing more sustainable practices. Um, if I speak about our operations a bit to you, so um, we have, let's say, three dimensions of, uh, of how our our operations can be more sustainable. One dimension, obviously, is dimension of carbon uh, usage and emission, right? Where we we have a, a strong commitment. Uh, not only have we been working for 13 years on CO2 reduction as a company and reducing our footprint, but last year we took a commitment of reducing uh, by 42% the total carbon emissions of, of Danone Waters China by 2025. And we're well advanced in it, so that's the first one. This comes basically from um, better energy, you know, like uh, clear energy usage, improvement in our logistics, uh, um, and overall, you know, even very innovative product uh, projects in our in our operations, like how we cool our factories, what type of systems, more circular systems, and more energy efficient systems. So um, we're quite. Uh, well-advancing, let's say, on on the carbon uh, reduction vision, uh, and we're proud of that. Um, The second one uh, is obviously recyclability. I mean, MyZone is a beverage brand, and we know we have a responsibility to, let's say, um, reduce our our impact um, to the environment and also help consumers to consume in a more in a more conscious way. So when uh, speaking of recyclability, I, I have a few things to share with you. The first one is that from the factory standpoint, right, we have been working for many years now to implement what we call the zero waste to landfill system, where basically our factories produce no uh, waste that is going to landfills. We make 100% circular and, uh, and recyclable, let's say, operations within our factories. But beyond that, in our product, of course, which is the biggest touchpoint we have with consumers, we've, we've been making very good evolution. So the first uh, mark that I, I can share with you is that since last year, uh, making a very strong change in our packaging, let's say, platforms, uh, MyZone became 100% of MyZone volumes became 100% uh, recyclable. So we changed our sleeving systems and our uh, the materials used in our in our packaging sleeves to enable the pack being 100% recyclable. Which basically means that if consumers drink a bottle of MyZone and they put it in the right bin, so they're able to you know uh, make the right uh, uh, sorting of the plastic. Uh, this this plastic will go into the uh, recyclability systems and be. Uh, used uh, 100% used without any uh, issues for for let's say the operational system of recyclability. So we're proud to to be 100% recyclable since last year. Or how we call in Danone, we are recyclable, uh, fully recyclable by design. Uh, that's one. Um, we've also been um, doing because we know, of course, the responsibility of a beverage company doesn't stop in making their products recyclable by design. But we also need to enable consumers and engage people that we speak to every day to also have more sustainable behaviors towards circularity. So also since last year, we've started a project with the Shanghai government and and Huangpu government to educate more consumers on how they sort the plastics and how to enable, let's say, a better recyclability. We finance some uh, recycling machines that collect bottles and give uh, cash back to consumers to buy new beverages, to really create this virtuous, engaging, let's say, system on on circularity. Uh, We've been, this year, actually, I think... um, uh, since yeah March this year we started a, a big university program because we know that the youth my Zone is a young uh, a brand that connects very much to young people, and we know that the youth has a very important role to play on this transformation so we 've been uh, since March this year promoting this uh, big university program in fifteen different universities of China where we invited groups of 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 students to work on projects that enable a more sustainable campus. So they've been working. And and by the way, this week we have the final um, award and and also the closing of this year's program. It's really, you know, impressive to see how the youth, they can have innovative ideas and, and they have this very natural, um, um, let's say ability to take things from the engineering side or from the planning side to the engagement side. So, you know, we've seen very good examples of, of projects that were developed to reduce the energy consumption in university, to, to bring more recyclability, and even, for example, secondhand exchange spaces in the university where, where uh, students, they gather and they create this kind of a circular market. Again, I think we are never done. We are never fully satisfied with what, how we are impacting. This is a journey for us. But I think what I can tell you is we've been uh, more and more engaged and, and and taking responsibility beyond our products to to be able to, to engage. Uh, and I think the last element, let's say the last pillar of this recyclability advocacy has been to um, also as an industry, because my zone is not alone in China, right? We have very big uh, competitors, but with whom we know we can work very well to be and and we've been working uh, engaging in conversations of the beverage industry with authorities uh with specialists in technology to be able also to study the use of bottles uh, because currently in China uh the the bottles they they join what we call an upcycling system so um you know when people sort the plastics, the plastics they go into upcycling to become textile fiber and other types of fiber. So it's not wasted. The product actually is having the the appropriate, let's say, uh, uh, destination. But we also know that um, we could we can move into a more circular system for beverages, right? If we're able to validate and technically. Uh, make possible a system of bottle-to-bottle, of circularity. This can also be interesting because you know you will know that every bottle you take will become uh, another bottle in the future. This is something that, of course, goes through regulatory conversations. There's a big technical also study uh, to happen before any of this can happen. But I, I wanted to say that we're also engaged on, on these conversations to, to try to study even more, let's say... Uh, Ambitious uh, uh, possibilities for recycling uh, in the future um, and and one last thing that I think is is interesting to say as a Brazilian uh, so I come t- from a country where the the recycling systems are what we call informal recycling right so it, it's much tougher than it is in China because uh, you do not have organized logistic systems. sometimes you lack the infrastructure to be able to process these recycling. Uh, materials. Um, The reality in China is very interesting and and it's a great opportunity because if you visit a city in China from the largest cities to the smallest cities, there's a very strong organization in sorting and managing waste and managing uh, valuables for recyclability. So the systems are very much in place. We count on very good uh, cooperation and, and really not only cooperation, I would say we count on the protagonism of, of the authorities on this. So it's really for us is 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 a pleasure to engage because we can facilitate and we can engage consumers while counting with a very structured and very uh, well functioning system of circularity here in China
1: yeah well <laughs> i don't there's so many interesting things you 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 just mentioned uh, you know i think I think the one thing are you know, a couple of things that stood out to me you know the uh the zero waste to landfill i I think that's something you know I'm, I'm impressed that you're implementing that in your china plants i mean I've been to you know scores of plants in China, and I don't think I've seen a real conscious yet focus on waste like the you know the factories I visit in the US I mean that is always top of mind so I'm sure that is something that is you know really helping you know Chinese producers learn just just through your example um one other thing you know I um it must have been around 2011 or 12 I was living in Beijing and I could see the dumpsters outside my apartment building from the from the window and I and it was not a centralized recycling plan at that point, there were these pickers that came along, and they would, you know, some, you know, frequently, you know, I assume husband and wife, they're man and woman, you know, would take all the cardboard, and some people would take some other materials. And um, like, I think you mentioned Brazil, I've actually, you know, just recently talked to a steel company in Brazil, that's very involved in collecting scrap. and, And they described a system, you know, I think, like I had observed back then in China. So really interesting to hear that things have become much more centralized. Uh, One of the things you mentioned that I'd like to hear a little bit more about that I wasn't as familiar with, you mentioned this sort of circularity with the bottle. uh, And like, how would that work? I mean, you know, the bottle would be refilled. um, uh, I'm not not familiar. I've not seen that in other markets. Mm -hmm.
0: I understand. No, actually, the circularity bottle to bottle is is quite simple. So basically, uh, it involves... PET being uh, uh, collected back, right, uh, cleaned and uh, processed to be reused in generating new PET preforms. So basically, it's not about a refilling system. It's really a bottle-to-bottle uh, circular system, Um this is actually something that happens already in different countries. I mean, if you look at Europe or even in the US, so uh, several countries have this already uh, regulated, uh, let's say, which we called RPT, right, recycled PT. Uh, in China, this is something that's, that is still in evaluation. And, and currently, because currently you, you do have uh, the use of RPT in China for... Uh, non-food and non-beverage, uh, or non, let's say, direct consumption products. So, for example, cleaning uh, cleaning products, or uh, even uh, some personal care products. They they might come on on recycle PT, but currently recycle PT for food and beverage uh, products is not um, is not regulated in China. We understand this uh, very deeply and clearly. Is uh, I think in in this country probably more than any other country in the world, there's a very big concern and commitment to the maximum safety and quality of products, right? So we know that, uh, let's say, uh, endorsing or accepting recycled PET uh, involves a very big validation process, involves a very big uh, study of impact to make sure that it's the proper safety and quality to consumers, and uh, and in this again in this topic uh, we are we've been having conversations and open uh, uh, debates let's say with the industry and different partners on how to make that possible. But we we also fully understand that ultimately this is a decision of the authorities and regulators, and and it will happen. What we know is it will only happen when there's uh, an absolute certainty on the quality and safety. So again. Um, uh, and and even let's say the bottle-to-bottle system, it's it's in a way it's good because consumers they can have a deeper understanding on okay the bottle I I, I bring into the the recycling system will later come out as a new bottle. But at the same time, in China today, there is a there, there is already a destination let's say right for these products because we know PT is an extremely efficient material, an extremely valuable material for textile and for other industries. So in the end, uh, uh, it's something that can also be done uh, progressively, right? Uh, currently from upcycling to the future in bottle to bottle, depending on, of course, the quality, the safety and uh, appropriate usage for, in the interest of consumers.
1: Right thank you for filling in those those details. i I wasn't aware that that uh, that that was how the recycling worked in China, so re- really useful to hear. Uh, I'd like to actually switch gears a, a little bit and talk about you know, the management of Danone in China. You know, you as you mentioned, are from Brazil, so an expat. Uh, I know that many Chinese multinationals have been moving much more towards local management, you know, particularly in the last, you know, five to 10 years. C- can you just describe the management of the organization? How many expats? How many locals? Maybe what are the pros and cons of expat versus local management?
0: Absolutely. Uh, so in Danone Waters, China, we're currently three expats. Uh, so it's, uh, oh, wow. and it's a 5,000 uh, people company. So basically very small number of expats in Danon uh China as a whole company i also uh, i think we are probably 6 or 7 expats so really it's a chinese uh operating and and chinese led company um chris i think on the expat i was thinking this morning uh, like uh, as an expat and and what is our role, and and how is this changing in China? I do believe that it's true. There there has been a more localization trend, which I think is very legitimate and and important because you know China is a close to a developed economy, a very dynamic market, and very unique in the way it works and 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 the speed it transforms. So I think it's only legitimate that that Chinese. Uh, uh, you know, um, executives and Chinese professionals really are the ones uh, leading the the businesses here. Um, at the same time, I think uh, there is always a role for. I, I would say there's a. It's a two way road. Let's say on one side, keeping a certain level of diversity and openness is quite important. And I do think uh, Chinese people also appreciate this. You know, like being able to. Uh, listen to different models of thinking and and asking different questions which sometimes would not be asked so there is a value to the expat in the sense of bringing in this cultural diversity that which the team here knows very well to to embrace huh? um i've worked in different countries and 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 i'm always um let's say impressed to see how, uh, Chinese people are open and not only open, but flexible in their working models to adapt and interact with foreigners. So this is something really, uh, interesting. And I think it opens way to this, let's say, diversity standpoints and, and, and diversity questions. Uh, that's one value that the expats, I think, still can, can bring into China. Uh, and I think the other side of the, of the, let's say, two-way road is that we foreigners, I believe we still need to learn a lot, and any professional looking to to succeed in in the world of tomorrow, next year or 10 years from now, they need to understand China and they need to understand the way uh, businesses are operating, consumers are behaving, data is evolving, um, digitalization in in retail, so there's there's a lot of learning to have here um, and and many best practices, I think even in the post-COVID reality, like if we look at what's hap- what has happened with the live streams and and the extreme uh, digitalization of, of retail that has happened here with a very strong agility, this is something that foreigners, uh, I think, need to learn and can learn, have the chance to learn from China. So in the end, you know, uh, and, and I think one last point which is important is um, so I've been here in Guangzhou for two years and I've had uh, great chances to also speak to to authorities here. For example, the Greater Bay, I don't know if you've heard of the Greater Bay Area Project, right? Which is this course, uh, ec- yeah. economic in project Hong of Hong
1: uh, Zhuhai, Guangzhou. Exactly.
0: Hong Kong, Macau, uh, Guangzhou and Shenzhen developing as, let's say, a pole of innovation, entrepreneurship, technology, trade, which, by the way, it already is, but the, the project is extremely ambitious and, and one part of their project actually involves also maintaining this diversity of talent and enabling this, let's say, openness to, to talents to come to China, to, to join the Greater Bay uh, Initiative. And to bring in knowledge, to bring in learning, but to also learn from here. So I think there's a very important role still of the expats and and of this exchange. I see a favorable and open uh, also uh, posture from from the policymakers. So I would really encourage people listening there um, to to really you know consider China in their in their uh, prospects because. It's really, you know, it's only when you are here that you understand uh how intense of a learning process, of a business opportunity, and even of a human uh learning opportunity it can be to 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 be here. So strongly encourage the, the China aspirers.
1: Yeah, that's that's great to hear. And I you know, I mean certainly I mean I haven't been there for, for a year and a half now, but you know, it's always my experience on the ground and, you know, I've been seeing a number of surveys of U.S. businesses in China saying very, very being very bullish. I mean, I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but like in the U.S. domestic context, I mean, there's a lot of sort of, um, uh, you know, a strong, a strong way to put it would be sort of anti-China rhetoric, but, you know, and, and sort of tensions um, in, you know, at least, you know, policy-wise and in the media-wise. On trade, but but actually, when you talk to the businesses that are operating in China, they say that actually they're growing like they never have. They're profitable and still see it a very you know you know very vibrant and exciting market for them. So it's it's great to hear you reflect on that as well. Uh, and it's also interesting to hear about, and I think it relates to you know we were talking earlier about you know your formulation of the MyZone product. I mean, you take this health and nutrition focus of Danone and you tailor it to the local consumers. And similarly, you know, there's this great sort of arbitrage almost between, you know, the global brands and, and the China market that can really be tapped effectively. Uh, One of the things I'd like to ask around that area is, you know, just recently Danone uh, water China was certified as a B corporation, which is, like a global standard and certification around environmental and social impact and performance. Can can you say a little bit about why you became a B Corp and maybe what changes or updates or things that you learned as being part of it?
0: Absolutely. Um, So yes, the B Corp, uh, this is uh, an initiative that Danon has been for already, I would say three, four years uh, supporting because in the end it's uh, you know you look at Danone as a company and and the change we want to make and and how we want to behave as a business the B corp model is really close to the heart of of what we believe as a business so uh, we've been certifying different countries i think currently um i don't think i will make a mistake by telling you this uh this year 50% of the total global revenues of Danone uh, achieved the certification of B Corp so and of course this came very importantly with the certification of China uh, the infant nutrition the specialized nutrition and this year the beverage uh, business um, for us Chris so B Corp is a is a framework right is uh let's say is is a certification of the way we operate and that we Uh, as a business that wants to be a force for good, that we are being able to, let's say, behave and and move in that direction. Uh, If we look at the Danone Waters China, uh, our certification as a B Corp happened, I would say, especially on probably three axes, Uh, one axis that is relating to the sustainability of our operations. So as I mentioned before to you, the fact that we've been reducing carbon emissions already very strongly, uh, we've been managing recyclability and also water usage is something that I even forgot to tell you before, is today we have a system in in some of our factories that we're going to bring national. For instance, if there is... There is no water wastage in in our factories. So we re- not only do we cons- uh, reduce the consumption of water, industrial water, very significant in, significantly in the last years, 65 uh, percent in 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 10 years, but we we also um, created a partnership with with governments in local uh, local governments in cities where we operate, so that the wastewater that we we ultimately still have, which is a small quantity, but it's still there. That it is treated and adapted to be used at the public gardens. So we are using it to water gardens, etc. Just one example. So of how you know um, our operations have have and manufacturing systems have been adapting and and led us, let's say, uh, strongly to be certified as a B Corp. That's one. But also our supply chain and also. The uh, stimulating the social responsibility of our of our suppliers, so material suppliers, transportation suppliers. We've also been more and more uh, acting, and Danone I think has in its history a very strong, uh, um, let's say, proof in this. Is not only do we make uh, our operations and businesses more sustainable, but we also engage our ecosystem to act in a more sustainable way. And we've also been doing this in China strongly by certifying and by uh, auditing uh, our our suppliers to to comply and to evolve more and more on social and, and environmental responsibility. And I would say the third uh, dimension of the B Corp certification for us is our employee. So, because B Corp is not only about what you do outside, but what you do inside and in Danon waters, and I think also in Danon China, we are proud to be uh, uh really uh, supporting our employees with several you know quality of life measures, diversity measures and 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 being able to deliver a specific value to people who are working with us as an integral part of our of our business and and value model. so this also the responsibility with our employees, with our sales force it's a very large sales force uh' is also it has counted. Importantly also for the for the B Corp. Now, what's coming forward for us, I think, as a B Corp, I think the certification kind of uh, uh, it uh, proves something to you, but it's just a step because in the end, how we feel about it, we feel more responsible and we feel that now. We are the biggest uh, B Corp in China, and now what we want to do, Danone as a B Corp in China, is to be able to engage and empower more businesses to come in and to, you know, uh, to join the movement. So to think of the transformations they want to do in terms of operations, manufacturing, logistics, uh, environmental practices. Uh, even portfolio on the portfolio standpoint, and also social practices. So we want to act really as um, as uh, yeah as as a as an advocate, let's say, of 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 B Corp, uh, which by the way, uh we we speak B Corp, but we actually the uh, B Corp, the B Corp philosophy also connects very deeply to the vision of beautiful China, which is the policy of uh, of environmental transformation and environmental evolution that, that we currently have in the country. So we really want to, again, make this model of, of on One Planet, One Health, as a B Corp, also locally adapted and relevant to, to the agenda of, uh, of China and Chinese citizens. And I think so far we are, we're happy to be succeeding in it.
1: Yeah, great. I mean, you 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 always seem to to sort of uh, foreshadow my my uh, my next question. That was exactly where I was going. I think, you know, as you were talking about these different pillars, you have be it, you know, the you know treatment of employees, social impact, and environment. You know that that the B Corp framework has helped you with. You know, those things also seem very very important and relevant. To the government, be it the local government, national government, and your government relations, probably as well. And you know, given the tight connection in China between companies and the government, can you say a little bit about how you've worked with the government, and particularly on these, you know, social and environmental impact work that you've done? You know, how that has influenced the relationship?
0: Absolutely. Uh, yes, indeed. I think China probably. Beyond any other country, there's a very big protagonism, right, of uh, government authorities and and let's say the people's government, which for us in Danone is is quite essential. And the way we've been approaching is, we know that uh, we we are able by by having this common agenda. Let's say when we speak of environmental uh, transformation, when we speak of common prosperity. We we do have a common agenda, Danon and 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 the People's Government. So it's very very uh, I would say rewarding for us to to be able to count on this type of support. Um, we've counted in different ways, Chris. I think, and I can give you a few examples. Huh? On the local level, so when we talk about our operations, our factory locations, we we count on very deep support and 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 sometimes even sponsorship in a way from local governments to be able to implement our sustainability uh, practices so i mentioned to you now the water the water reusage, uh projects or you know uh, we usually have a very friendly relationship in opening our factories to share the good practices on recyclability or on energy usage uh, to local governments and and local governments are extremely let's say They have very good initiative to engage and to bring local uh, operators and local companies to also come and learn and discuss to really open up possibilities and, and, and let's say, treat us in a way as a benchmark and giving us good recognition also on on the uh, evolution of environmental practices. So that's one which is very meaningful for us. uh, I mentioned the recyclability project. So we've counted on the support of the Huangpu government uh, uh, in this project since last year in Shanghai, and and very very good uh, uh, connection and and giving us also access to the communities to understand how the recyclability behaviors were happening in the communities, exchanging ideas and doing workshops together on how we could do it better. And and I think, so this is only a part of it. So we are always counting very much on, on support from local governments and government as a whole. Uh, and we have even more ambitious projects. I mean, I'm not going to tell you all things, but if you want to speak in a year or so, um, we, are, we have other important projects uh, happening for my zone to amplify our social impact. And also there, we've been counting constantly with this uh, empowerment coming from from the authorities and partnerships. so this is extremely, uh, extremely important for us, and and we strongly appreciate.
1: Wow. Well, I look forward to that discussion uh, in in a year or so. I mean, it does seem that there's a lot of things that are have changed in the recent past that are really, you know, have positive impacts, and it seems that there's even more in progress um, as well. Uh, as a final question, I just have a relatively general one. Do you have any? you know, a few pieces of advice to other companies that are interested in doing business in China?
0: Pieces of advice. Yes, of course. Um, I would say the first one is know that it's different. Um, So you need to develop an eye and you need to develop a brain that is adapted to, to how the country works and how people think. So it's very very important so and that's why i'm connecting again to your first question on localization or one of your first questions um in this country i think more than any other it is extremely important to know that localization is essential so you need to understand the mechanisms and the way people think and the way it works the way culture operates um and probably for every company looking to do business with China, it's very important to know this before you, or if not before, you need to build this knowledge as you go. Because the more you understand the the, the way the country operates, the way the people think, the way business happens, it will be, somehow it will be correlated to your business success, I would say. This is the first. Um, the second... I would say besides localization is, um, I would say uh, trust also, because, you know, I think it's quite um, sometimes because we come from different backgrounds, we speak very different languages, uh, sometimes it might be a little bit of of an afterthought to trust the people, and to listen to to how they think and what they're saying i would really advise you know um that anyone looking to do business in the country that they find this uh this close business business local business partner that they can speak to openly and and that they can trust because uh it will help you to i would say cut several um cut several paths and and get to solutions faster and and in a, in a more dynamic way, uh, in a way. And then the third is, I would say, don't come to China to only bring your value in. Uh, you need to know that probably there's much more value that you will, br- you will get from it. So, you know, the, the speed of innovation, the, the ability to pivot different models, the digitalization... There's a lot to be learned here, and that can potentially be later, let's say, uh, taken into other markets. So I would also say, of course, come for the business opportunity and revenue opportunity, but come also for to to prepare your business to the future because uh, it will, you know, the future will pass by China and by understanding the market. Uh, very significantly I think these are the three key advices I I would give but again uh, I think you only know when you come so it's also a question of you know just do it
1: yeah no I think that's a that's you know great final point as well and I think you know your last point about like as a place to learn about the future is something that I think is hard for people that have not been there um, to to really recognize and so many people you know, may see it as this, you know, amazing market of 1.4 billion people to sell their products. But, you know, it, it, as you emphasize, it's really much, much more than that. So uh, with that, you know, thank you so much, Eduardo, for joining us today on China Corner Office.
0: Thank you, Chris, very much for the opportunity. It was a pleasure to share some of my thoughts with you. And uh, anytime you need me, just uh, give me a call.
1: Will do. Thank you
0: very much. Thank you.